So for our first topic, arguing with your Trump supporting family members on social media. <laughs> sure. Starring Brendan Williams. Yes. And, and real quick, the parenthetical under that is going to say we tried so hard to not talk about Trump and the first thing we talked about is Trump. You can't not you can't not talk about Trump. All roads lead to Trump. And that's the thing that I it makes me hopeful is that after four, I mean, I'm sick of Trump. I'm so sick of Trump, and he's not even president yet. Dude, can you imagine? Started, baby. Can you imagine? I, I my only hope is that in four years, the entirety of America is just like, I am so sick of Trump. I will vote for any. I will vote for Kanye. It's I will like, vote for anyone. <laughs> I just cannot to hear Trump one more time. Can't you, can't you hear high school cheerleaders going Trump, Trump, Trump it up? You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the Trump world of your father. <laughs> You're listening to the Liquid Flannel Podcast. With your host, I am Chuck, the most intersectional Eagle Scout you'll ever meet. <laughs> oh, Boom. It, I, this is like a one-upsmanship game now. <laughs> like, it's and gonna be the new competition. I'm Brendan, and I only made it to Life Scout because that Eagle Scout project was like it was too much of a pain, and it got too much into the politics. You had to do like job interviews with people who hated you. It wasn't that great. And I am Matthew. And I'll mention that I also made it to Life Scout, but I quit for political reasons because uh, of the exclusion of, of queer scouts and queer scout leaders. So that was a political stand. I, I got my project done. All I had left was uh, personal fitness merit badge, I think. Well, and then the final board of review, which is oh, the yeah. which is the political nonsense that we are talking about, because you have to go if if you haven't been in Boy Scouts <laughs> like we have. You when you go to be Eagle Scout, which is the highest level, and usually you're like 16 to 18, and so you're like, I really just want to not do this anymore at this point. I have a mm -hmm. car now, but you have to do the Eagle Board of Review, where it's three old dudes who are scout leaders who get to just quiz you for like several hours about just whatever and then can arbitrarily just say yeah you're cool or like no i don't think you're cool enough to be a eagle scout which is a real problem if you've pushed your because you have to do the board of review by the time you're by your 18th birthday i think or else you're you are it out. is yeah the 18th birthday unless you received an extension that had to be approved of by like the national board or something crazy but do you ever remember anybody getting the thumbs down from their board of review? I remember a couple. People. Yeah, there were a couple in our troop, but it was usually for things like not being able to recite the Boy Scout law. Yeah, not well, or like they could ask the you about anything in the book. Yeah. yeah, they could ask you about anything in the whole scout manual. It could be like, tie this weird knot that you never tie. And they're like, I don't know. What? I don't know how to right. do that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I guess you need to study more. Or, you know, they look at it and say, man, your Eagle Project looks pretty weak here, you know. Uh, I think you need to go back and do that. <laughs> yeah, do that's, that again. Yeah, so, that's totally nonsense. You know. Or if they ask you about God and you happen to be an atheist, that's not going to look real good in front of the Board of Review. I mean, t theoretically, yeah, yeah. If you're gay or you're an atheist, 
or transgender or whatever, they could just say like, no, you don't get to be in Boy Scouts anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're like a private organization, so they could totally do that. Although they did change their policy on gay, but the policy is still that you can't be an adult gay leader, but you can be a gay scout. I mean, for a while there, I, I thought my stance was I wouldn't want my kids to be in any kind of club that excludes any other type of American in their community. I want them to be able to be in a club with their friends or whatever. But at the same time, I think that all the skills that we learned in Boy Scouts were pretty badass skills. And I'm, I mean, I'm glad to, yeah. to appreciate camping and building fires and Doing those border reviews really prepares you for the uh, the bureaucracy of everyday life. <laughs> well, that introduction went way long. <laughs> it's kind of like those border reviews are kind of like arguing with your uh, Trump supporting relatives on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Which is oh, what yeah. I spent some time doing. Uh, so somebody had posted on Facebook uh, an article about at UNO, one of the bathrooms was defaced with like a swastika and uh, make America great again. And so someone posted about that on Facebook, and my dad immediately jumps on and says, oh, that's clearly like a hoax done by Hillary supporters. Yeah, false flag. Right. Just based on just, I mean, nothing, right? I mean, there's there's no way to know. So, but to just assert, yeah, no, it's clearly that because I don't want it to be the other thing which is like you're never gonna know but it, right. it did happen right uh and that's not cool from my analysis of reading through that very interesting thread it was kind of like your father almost felt the need to recoil because of the consensus that people had that was like i'm just shocked and amazed like i think that the lady that had posted it was like you know, I just can't believe that this is the place that I grew up in and studied in and loved. And I'm right. thinking to myself, well, I mean, obviously you've never been in the men's restroom before, but I mean, <laughs> literally, I went to that school back in, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. And there the was 90s. always, a, you know, a swastika would be literally anywhere, but especially in the men's room in any building, you know, arts and sciences. And it was just stupid stuff. It was like, sometimes there would be a dirty limerick in bathroom etched in it, or sometimes it would be a swastika. Yeah, as, as a longtime connoisseur of uh, restroom graffiti, it, it, I think you're right. There's almost always a swastika there. Um, and, yeah. and you can't, I think Brendan's right. You can't, you can't really second guess the, motivations for that yes sometimes it's just in real life trolling sometimes it's i don't know somebody just likes to draw the thing because it's kind of satisfying to draw you know yeah they're like i'm a geometric enthusiast (laughs) and what is the what's the quickest geometric pattern that i can toss up on this wall in the time it takes me to drop this deuce here's a pro tip though anytime you find swastika graffiti it's really easy to convert into the Windows 95 logo. So just just switch that up. All you got to do is just close out the box and put a couple little swoolies behind it. Then you're repping Windows 95, which was a great OS. Yeah. I think we can all – liberals and conservatives can all agree Windows 95 was pretty good. You know, that was back when we thought this is as good as it gets. No, that thread was 
it was pretty weird because it was just kind of like there was an overreaction on on both sides, really, the left and the right represented in that in that right. argument. So. But, the, you know, the thing that comes down to it is that conservatives and Trump supporters want to downplay yeah. and liberals want to kind of play these incidents up. Right. So even though the core agreement that both sides can agree is like, it's not cool to be Nazi. Right. <laughs> That's not good. But because these you're questioning everyone's motives, they're doing it so that they can just make Trump supporters look bad or a Trump supporter's doing it because it's a Nazi rallying cry. Both of those are, are probably wrong. It's probably some college kid with no friends who thinks it's going to be hilarious to, you know, sit there and watch people freak out when they come out of the bathroom. Yeah, and that's right. Yeah. And that's, it's, you know, it's this kind of sports team mentality that mm. anything my team did or it's questionable that they did that was bad, like, needs to be downplayed because um, we don't want to mm-hmm. give the other side fodder. And, and the same is true in the reverse. Uh, and, and I guess or, we touched on that a little bit last week, too. Or just say, you know, the reason we did it was our our reasoning was more noble than their reasoning or rationale behind it, you know. I will say my favorite bathroom stall graffiti, though, was the one where they, it said... Um, stall tennis look left and you look left and then it said stall tennis look right and you looked right and you're like man i could do this all day or or, i could do this all dump at least i love that one i also think a good solution to bathroom graffiti is to just go wild with the bathroom graffiti where then just one doesn't stand out when there's like a hundred of them you're like oh there's a nazi one over there but who cares look at all these ones are way better over here i don't even know what that symbol is i'm gonna go home and look that up (laughs) a person goes into the bathroom and they've got like an artist smock with a leather tool full of like (laughs) etching so they're etching like landscapes into bathroom walls that'd be great you know it's a it's a medium of art that doesn't get a lot of respect respect to the true bathroom graffiti artists out there not just you know people trying to start fights over right trump swastikas <laughs> not the ones doing it for the for the haters the ones doing it for the true fans absolutely you know? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and i think one of the things that leads to these arguments about the people's motives is fake news because oh, yeah. Trump supporting people are seeing all day fake incident after fake incident after fake incident, whether they're, you know, real stories of people faking things, which does happen, or it's, you know, fake news trying to make that narrative of all these hate crimes and all these instances are just faked. It leads to a worldview that's just totally divorced from the other side where they're seeing over and over again what they're thinking are these are legitimate problems that keep happening. He listens to conservative talk radio, which is sort of the precursor to what we're seeing with the spread of online fake news. They couldn't be quite so blatant about it, you know, because it's happening in real time. And theoretically, somebody could call in and say, like, look, this is false. And and they also have some they have a cachet of personality that they need to protect to a certain extent, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think when you look at people who make the fake news... I don't think a lot of them come at it with a necessarily political objective, right? Sometimes they're just trying to make money, say the most outrageous thing and get shares. It happens to be right now that political Trump news 
can get a lot of shares. So they're just doing that. They don't, yes. they're, I don't think they're thinking about what are the downstream effects? Like I'm doing this to really make the media play off of, you know, Trump and then Hillary will look bad and Trump will win. Like, no, they're just like, let's get clicks, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, however we can get them. Well, and whatever happened to there actually being consequences, like you couldn't say the kind of things that cause someone to go out and commit violence against somebody else because you could be held accountable for that, for inciting that violence. Like that's not protected under the First Amendment, at least to my understanding. Matt, you're the lawyer here, so maybe you can comment <laughs> a little bit to that. You know, that, that gets into kind of a touchy area of First Amendment law. The hard thing to prove about that is that the speech actually directly commanded it uh, yeah was the impulse for the violent act anything that's that we could look at kind of at arm's length and say that's something that's uh inciting but not actually a direct call to action is probably going to mm-hmm. be protected speech i feel like the <laughs> pizzagate fake news might kind of fall into that but the outcome was actually kind of scary for some people in that uh, Washington, D.C. area. And So we talked about Pizzagate last time, which is the right-wing conspiracy media, I guess conspiracy theory, that people involved with the Hillary Clinton campaign and Democratic politics in general are running a secret child trafficking ring out of a pizza parlor. A worldwide child trafficking <laughs> ring that goes to the highest echelons of liberal government and then pretty much <laughs> yeah. anybody else that they can say is also associated with it so the update to that was that a north carolina man was arrested sunday after he walked into the pizza place uh the popular restaurant uh ping pong comet ping pong what's with um, the do they have ping pong tables there they is did that part yeah I, I think it the conspiracy some kind of a <laughs> some kind of a ping pong joint that then started selling pizza, and now it's a ping pong and pizza joint. And this place is, like, in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, and it's also, like, a concert venue for, right. you know, very small gatherings okay. and things like that as well. And it's in Washington, D.C., yes, right. which would make it very reasonable that, you know, they would get a catering order or something like <laughs> right, that absolutely. from a federal you know, agency. Part of the impetus of saying that this conspiracy exists is, like, well, they went to lunch there. Right, you know, all the time, yeah. and it's like, well, yeah, it's a pizza they place where about they live. Pizza yeah. while they were there, that's the part. But this guy walked in there with an assault rifle and fired one or more shots. Uh, DC police said, and the man told police that he had come to the restaurant to quote self-investigate a false <laughs> election-related conspiracy theory involving Hillary Clinton. Now he didn't think it was false, but I mean, he went in there with a gun. From North Carolina. And, yeah, he uh, drove like six hours. Yeah. So it wasn't like a spur of the moment <laughs> crime yeah. of passion or whatever. Right. So, yeah, he's like 38-year-old. He has an IMDB because he Yeah, was, I guess some know, of his family, like his dad, like is a film producer or something. Well, and he actually has a credit as being, you know, like an extra in something as well as a writer for a low budget short film or something right. like that. So this guy was basically going to investigate that. Now, I hope that he his story comes out and he's like, hey, sorry, guys, I went there and fired some guns and I I, I didn't see anything about the child trafficking. So it's <laughs> right. probably not real. Right. I hope that is what happens tomorrow. I, as, somehow I doubt it. As if he expected that firing the gun would scare all the child trafficking up into visibility or something, <laughs> you know, but but let's unpack that a little bit further, because, you know, I'm no 
you know, I'm no stranger to conspiracies myself. Right. And well, and bringing it back around, people are, of course, already claiming this is a false flag yeah. set up by Hillary mm, to right. make Pizzagate, you know, look bad. Yeah. Because we're, they're so close to the truth. Yeah, because they're the so thing close. that you want to do if you're trying to cover up a conspiracy is stage a an absurdly publicized stunt that draws attention to the thing you're trying to cover up. It's that that's how deep they're into it, man. It's is, that three dimensional chess that right. Obama. That's invented. just what they want you to think. That's why it's so genius. <laughs> right. You know, people are like, well, how come I can't find very much about this guy on the internet? Well, it's cause it just happened. And you know, there's enough. I mean, this dude was, um, Invest, being investigated for an accident where he hit a child in the street um, with his vehicle. So. Yeah, that was like in October, so that was only yeah. a couple huh. months ago, which is very strange. But, you know, the fact that, like, oh, one time he acted as an extra, they're going to be like, see, he's a, he's a professional actor. He just professionally acted that gun crime because exactly. he's so committed to the uh, conspiracy, yep. you know, <laughs> nonsense. Well, that's, a, that's the thing about a conspiracy theory, right? I mean... It's deciding on the conclusion first and then walking back through the evidence. So you already know where you end up. That means you need to just slot every piece of evidence that comes out into promotes or does not promote the conspiracy theory. Everybody on Reddit right now and on Vote, I don't know if you've heard of Vote. Oh, is Vote still a thing? Oh, Vote. Yeah. That's Reddit for just, um, like, Trump fans, right? Or it's men's Reddit rights. for the extremists of all, yeah. Right, people who got banned from Reddit for being trolls went to a site called Vote. Well, actually, no, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because it, it ties to... <laughs> Matt, as our resident Reddit expert. <laughs> yeah, I spend a ridiculous amount of time on Reddit running my very not Pizzagate-oriented subreddit, Men's Lib. Plug it yes, mentally please. Again. Every chance you can get, plug it. But there there have been some interesting developments on Reddit around Pizzagate. Namely, there was a Pizzagate Reddit established that had huge user base overlap mm-hmm. with the Donald, which is the center for Donald Trump positive news propaganda, however you want to say that, on Reddit. That subreddit ended up getting banned Partially because the people involved in Pizzagate, and again, it's this echo chamber effect, had convinced themselves that, uh, I don't remember what his actual was, Steve Huffman, mm-hmm. the CEO of Reddit, is involved with Pizzagate. He probably ate a pizza one time, and he wouldn't have done that if he wasn't involved. God forbid they found the word pizza in an email that he sent or a tweet one time. And the weird thing is, is if you go into the conspiracy subreddit and those things, they kind of have been using that subreddit now to post in Pizzagate. And they're kind of linking that story to my favorite, the Franklin community um, credit union scandal, which happened in the 80s, which was a very similar framework regarding child trafficking but based out of Boys Town in Omaha, Nebraska, and it involved the Republican echelon of power. Oh. And there's a lot of great stuff out there on it. There's a lot of great material on it. But the differences between the two, I mean, people are comparing the two in the conspiracy subreddit and saying, well, see, right. this all happened before. But they're or, not you know, even close to the same. You know, there's been ones that have happened. I mean, right, just the fact that anytime there's, you know, child trafficking which is a thing that does happen yeah they can point to that and say well look at this is a thing over here so my thing must also be totally real 
right. um, because a similar thing happened at one point in history. And, and the people who were calling it out weren't believed initially when that thing happened, and then they ended up being proven correct. And, and that's the thing that you see with a lot of conspiracy theorists, that they'll point to... I don't know. You, you have uh, like a flat earther, right? Oh, yes. Who are hilarious to observe. Uh, people who people who believe that somehow we're guarding a giant ice wall that surrounds the flat Earth, so that people don't discover that they live. Dude, on... Game of Thrones spoilers. Hey, I, I haven't caught up with Game of Thrones. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. If you care to engage with the flat earther, at some point they're going to mention something like. MK Ultra or the Tuskegee experiments or something where there was yes. actually a big cover up of a wrong and that just the existence of that other completely separate topic proves them correct because that was a conspiracy you know people who believed in those things while they were mm-hmm. going on and were trying to call it out were called crazy conspiracy theorists well I'm being called yeah. a crazy conspiracy theorist right now that validates the information that I'm trying to share. With those other ones, I mean, it's like you can actually dig deep into those because there was, you know, victim accounts. There were victims, period. I mean, this right. this Pizzagate, I mean, it just seems lazy. It just well, seems like manufactured bullshit because it's there's literally no depth to it that you can right. research. Well, and that's the thing about looking to historical examples is that history has a way of kind of dividing the wheat from the chaff, right? When yes. you look back at history, you're only looking at the consequential events. The strongest things right? that Not, stood out. Not, you know, things where it's like, oh, that was just a thing that maybe we thought and then it was like, oh, it turned out, no, it was BS. Like, that just fades. You know, you can't find a lot of information on sure. that 40 years later. Right. Um, so you kind of have that filter when you're when you're looking to the past to verify your uh, expectations of what's going on right now that you're in the middle of that you can't analyze in that same way. One of the funny ones is when you look back at the 90s, you look at like, what's the sign of, oh, this guy's a crackpot conspiracy theory guy. It would always be like, oh, they've bugged everyone's phones. They're, you know, they're reading all my mail or whatever. <laughs> and now it's like, no, no, that's just a uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that just happens all the time. Right. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yep. they're tracking. That's there's the cameras everywhere. There's cameras everywhere. They're always watching you. Where they literally have a system in Chicago that has like citywide facial recognition that they can just click on you and be like, "Where did you go throughout the entire day? We can just track you right. <laughs> through the city." Uh, and people just mm-hmm. say like, "Oh no, that's fine." You know, hey, if you're not breaking the law, what's wrong with it? If you're exactly. not a criminal, <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, if you don't got anything to hide. Also, by the you? way, Trump decides who's a criminal now. I hope that's not a problem. That's that's the important part, because for the most part, most people aren't criminals. But when you start criminalizing things like, I don't know, complaining about the president elect on a podcast, (laughs) um, I I know that that's I know that that's an extreme example. Or going to a a local pizza place now that you're getting arrested for putting us on a list now. I'm I'm feeling good about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've been on a list for ages. I'm just trying to bring as many people. You know, I'm just swamping them with numbers at this point. (laughs) Let's all yeah. Let's bust out our minority cred. I'm on the atheist list. Chuck, what what terrorist list are you on? Let's see. You know, I'm on the biracial, angry enough to uh, look down during the American flag. (laughs) Let's just say a lot of lists. (laughs) So. But we could take a break. Yeah, okay. This is fun, you guys. Facebook, stop wasting all my time. I know it's my fault for logging in. 
this this saga of Gamergate also had this overlap with they started nominating this guy who writes under the name of Chuck Tingle. Chuck Tingle writes gay erotica with the most outlandish names. I've never actually read one of his works, but just based on the titles, like after Britain exited from the EU, after that vote happened, within, God, like 48 hours, he had published a a novella called Pounded by the Pound Turned Gay by Brexit or something like that. Referencing like the pounding that the pound took in the international currency markets. And he'd turn it around, like, yeah, like, in a weekend. It must just be, like, a stream of consciousness, like... I think he probably just has some macros saved Yeah, it's just, like, a Mad Libs. Right, yeah, he just switches the nouns out. But anyway, the what's really hilarious about it is that Chuck Tingle, the guy behind the Chuck Tingle pseudonym, is what would be considered a social justice warrior, when he found out that he had been nominated for a Hugo, for one thing, he started putting Hugo-nominated author Chuck Tingle on every single thing that he publishes. And he also said, if I get the Hugo, I'm not going to be able to accept the award in person. So in my place, I'm going to send uh, this gal named Zoe Quinn, who's one of the main Gamergate targets. Gamergate was created basically to shame and assault her on the internet right. <laughs> and attack her right. online. That was the entire point of Gamergate. Well, and wasn't she, like, going to speak at a university? And they basically got harassed out of even speaking because there was death threats on oh, her absolutely. or something. Right. So that would happen all the time. She would get booked to speak, and they'd just be like, we're going to bomb it. And then they'd be like, sorry, we need to cancel. People are saying we're going to bomb it. <laughs> so let me just make sure I understood it, though, is that they made the campaign to nominate Chuck Tingle, who turned out to actually be a social justice warrior and then he right because they didn't really research it they were just like let's nominate the person that was like the focal point of a lot of their baseless aggression that is exactly what happened so it all just blew up in their face right i mean everything that group does blows up in their face they also attacked anita sarkeesian for making some pretty mainstream i don't know if you guys have ever seen her videos but what she does is basically looks at tropes in media and specifically video games for a long time and talks about how they interact with feminist and um, social justice theory. Uh, They're not really that offensive uh, to anyone, but she became another major target of their ire. And she did get to speak to the U.N., about cyberbullying. I mean, she got invited to the UN because of the attention that she got through this pretty baseless attack on her. Literally everything that group does blows up in their face until the election of Donald Trump. That was their killing strip. So now what's next for them? What's next on the horizon? Do we know? Well, also, I mean, also getting Marine Le Pen elected in France, who's sort of the, she's not exactly Donald Trump in France, but represents a lot of the same ideals. You know, Austria Austria rejected white nationalism just in the past couple of days in their election, so that's, I'm sure, viewed as a a pretty big setback. But at the same time, now Italy is apparently, like, doing the Italy Brexit, because they just, like, had a crazy election that was, (laughs) like, should we kick out the entire government and start over? And they were like, yeah, let's do that. 
really. But that's not like leaving the union, though. No, but the party that's going to take power is 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 potentially pro leaving the EU. They need the EU more than the EU needs them, though. So. Well, that hasn't stopped people from leaving the EU before. Well, that's <laughs> it. Hasn't true. stopped people from leaving the United States before. I mean, if we're going to make some historical comparisons. Well, expand on that a little bit. Like The only comparison I was trying to make there was really that in the American Civil War, we had this ideological dispute where approaching half of the country decided that we would be better off without playing on the team, working toward our own interests. The fact that they lost, obviously, is, is a historical fact, but... Their reasoning for going down that path at the time, I think, is a pretty decent analog for some of what we're seeing right now with the South could not have survived without the industrialist North. They didn't have an economic infrastructure in place to be able to take care of their own issues. They were stronger because they were part of the Union. Like, can you imagine if right now, if like the South was just operating as like a fully independent country from America? Mississippi's, like, on the bottom of, like, every single list of, like, when you look at the ranking of states, I think, almost. Right. An apology to any people who enjoy our podcast who live in Mississippi. We're not actually talking about you. Don't get lippy about Mississippi. There's none of those people. (laughs) None of those people exist. If you're one of those people, please tweet us at liquid underscore flannel. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I often say you're one of those people... That makes Mississippi beautiful to me. But the analogy is, you know, you're looking at a country, you know, an electorate that, what, 23% of them voted probably against their own economic interests. You know, getting into a trade war with China is going to be horrible for middle America. Enacting the Paul Ryan plan for Medicare is going to kick a bunch of old people wildly reduce their benefits that they get under that program it's yeah it seems like there's already people saying like trump better not get rid of my obamacare that's not what i voted for right yeah you don't know what you voted for that's the (laughs) thing you you voted for something that's in a completely different reality i voted for putting hillary in jail not not getting rid of obamacare come on yeah it's like that lady that was like voted for trump and then person that he was his name mnuchin mnuchin Mnuchin. in a hilarious twist because trump over and over again during the campaign hit hillary clinton on her ties to goldman sachs and all the big quote wall street money even running an ad showing pictures of george soros and the ceo of goldman sachs saying hillary clinton's corrupt and, you know, she's totally in the pocket of Wall Street. So now that Trump wins, he turns around and nominates a Goldman Sachs executive to be the head of the Treasury. Not only a Goldman Sachs executive, uh, a legacy Goldman Sachs executive whose dad was an executive yeah. at Goldman Sachs. I mean, that's how corrupt Hillary Clinton is. That Oh, wait, no. Yep. Donald Trump did this. He did that. Right. You know. Which Hillary Clinton absolutely never would have done. If you voted right, for yep. Donald Trump... Because you're like, look at that. Hillary's in the pocket of Wall Street. I got to vote for Trump. You just played yourself. Right. <laughs> you totally got self-owned yeah. by that one. So the the story that you were referring to is about this woman who was a Trump supporter. But it turns out that this guy who worked at Goldman Sachs 
was an executive involved in the decision of foreclosing on her house over... That's Mnuchin. He took control of one of those mortgage companies uh, in the middle of the 2008 housing crisis. And yeah, Even and made with, yeah. bank, made fat bank. Yeah, you got played. I mean, I think that that's going to be a running segment. That that would be a positive spin where we don't even almost have to say Trump's name, but we could just have the segment be, you got played and be every time someone should be like, damn, damn it, Donald. Right. Well, I think someone scooped us on that already because there's a Tumblr set up called Trump Gretz, I believe. It's just a museum of surprised Trump voters with every new decision he makes and they're saying, well, this isn't what I voted for. This isn't what I thought I was voting for. Uh, including, of all people, Ann Coulter, who basically called Trump a sellout and said, well, we did what we could. It's not on us. Even Sarah Palin coming out and being like, wait a second, this is all crony capitalism. This is the crony government that everyone hates. It's like, wow. This is almost what I'm looking for. I want to be like, sit down, Sarah. Sit with me. You know, let's talk. This is all crazy, but we can move forward <laughs> together. That's what I'm looking for, you know. This this might be a beautiful day mm -hmm. in the eye of a hurricane. A four-year hurricane. <laughs> in the eye of a hurricane, there is quiet for just a moment. A yellow sky. When I was 17, a hurricane destroyed my town. I didn't drown. I couldn't seem like, to Like, I'm glad that I've been listening to Hamilton pretty much exclusively. Because it's all predicted in that. It's all there. Everything that... That's why the show is such a big hit. It's because it speaks to exactly what we're living through so right now. So what if Trump has actually seen it? He still hasn't. He should. No, what if he's doing this on purpose? What if, oh, this it's is, like a, what if Hamilton was like a blueprint for him? Self-fulfilling Hamilton prophecy. And then he's going to flip it. One of the topics that I was thinking about, Trump seems so easy to be manipulated and baited into, into tweeting. SNL recently did a skit about how Donald Trump... About how he's uncontrollable on Twitter. Right, about how he's compulsively tweeting when he should be doing president things or studying or whatever and what was his response right and so he <laughs> he waited all of like 40 minutes and then tweeted that snl is like totally biased unwatchable and unwatchable and uh, alec baldwin's the worst person ever to which alec baldwin responded i will stop doing the impression if you release your taxes which i thought was pretty good a lot of people say like oh trump's He's tweeting to distract you. It's all a part of the secret, you know, five-dimensional chess that Donald Trump is playing, which I don't really fully buy. Not I think he just can't control himself. Right. And he just, he loves to get that dopamine hit of tweeting nonsense and just seeing the love, you know, pour in. The retweets, the right. karma. He's doing it for the karma, baby. You know, I think it is a little bit of both. Like, give the guy credit. He is a successful businessman sure. in a lot of ways. It, but I think that that all happens on gut instinct for him. He's not – it's not that he has this five-dimensional chess strategy that's playing out so much as in the past it served him well to go with his gut. Well, sure. Um, now, he's in, he's in a much more complex situation now, and it's not probably going to go his way. 
I'll read from the political article. So one of the things that has brought attention to this is a, this is a potential way to communicate with Trump. His campaign during the campaign said that often they would communicate with him by going on Fox News or CNN. That's the only way to get Trump to listen to you is to go on television and right. yell to Trump directly at the camera. So when Kellyanne Conway was going on TV about how dare Trump meet with Mitt Romney, people were like, what is she doing? She's trying to get that message to Trump that that's what she's hearing. Right? She's sending a smoke signal. Right. <laughs> uh, and so that's how he gets his information. If you can make that be the way that your information's getting out, you make him see it and have to respond to it. Uh, so after he said that he would be holding a news conference on December 15th to talk about his conflicts of interest and what he's going to do with his business... This Office of Governmental Ethics started tweeting, we can't repeat how good enough this decision to make total divestiture will be. Divestiture is good for you. Brilliant. Great for America. <laughs> We're delighted you've decided to fully divest your businesses. Right decision. Bravo. Yeah. Well, what I love about the tweets from that office were that they mimicked his Twitter style. Exactly. You know, if that's the way he communicates, then that's the way to communicate right. like to Like junior him. high. Punctuate everything with sad at the end of it. Unfortunately, he, I, as far as I can tell, has not directly responded to these tweets. But if you can get that type of message out there to say, mm -hmm. this uh, government office is saying Donald Trump is fully divesting of his businesses. To, you have to get Trump out there to say, oh, no, I'm not actually doing that. Or put it on Saturday right. Night Live. <laughs> or something like that. But basically, you're making him yep. respond off the cuff because he can't help himself when he sees this lie or whatever suggestion, you know, over and over and over again. So what you're telling me is that the Department of Government needs, Ethics needs to hire somebody to convert his security briefings into tweets because he's oh. not even... He's not even reading that. That's and probably that blows a great my idea. mind that he has time to even watch Saturday Night Live. Sometimes I don't have time to watch Saturday Night Live, right. and I'm yeah. not the president. I'm just like I haven't done the dishes yet, or like I need Dude. to. Brendan, you're just <laughs> a mess. These clothes. You're a I don't have time to watch Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess my my trouble with that strategy is that it's pretty much purely defensive, right? So also in the in this past week the news broke that he had accepted a call from the president of Taiwan in Taipei, which is a, which is breaking with established American foreign protocol with China of four decades. And then he followed up with a tweet that said, I can't believe that we sell billions of dollars of military equipment to Taiwan, but I can't accept a phone call. Mr. Trump, it was an open secret, but that's not the kind of thing we need to be broadcasting. So to then go on the news or go on Twitter and call him out for that, the damage is done. You know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube on that. Well, I mean, you, you, there's nothing you could do to stop Donald Trump from making these unforced errors on himself. You can encourage that in positive ways, right, by making him <laughs> respond to you, you know, through those channels, right? You can't necessarily write an in-depth feature in the new york times or the washington post and get trump to respond to that because he's never even going to read it he didn't even like to sit down and read he's got too much cnn and fox news split screen to watch and the way your story gets on there 
is by making it an outrageous story. Everyone on Twitter is talking about how this crazy government department made up this crazy rumor. That's how you get these these things in the channel that he receives, which is horrible, right? I hate that that's even a, a strategy at all. Much less the most effective strategy. Isn't that just playing into exactly his style of doing politics, which itself is a harmful thing? How else can you oppose him? You know, you can write all the think pieces you want. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to do anything. And that's why he's so effective at getting you to play on his level, because that's the only level he plays on. Dude, this this is a level that's very similar to how you blow up in the hip-hop community. You basically pick a target, just attack, 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 until they notice you, and then you're in a rap battle. And then, boom, instant cred. People are checking out your Twitter. You're blowing up. It's true. We all thought that Obama was going to be our most OG president, you know? but... I don't think that's even true at all. Just start declaring battles, man. Dude, 20 years from now when Lin-Manuel writes the Trump musical, it's going to be so baller. Who do you want? What's Donald Trump's middle name? J. Donald J. (laughs) I don't know what the J is. Is the J John or something? I don't know. Harry S. Truman. Didn't the S stand for nothing? He He didn't have a middle name or something, and so they were just like, throw that S in there. Yeah, so uh, John is what the J stands for. Boring. Oh, yeah, here you go. So he was named Harry S. Truman. The middle initial didn't stand for anything in particular, but there was an S in both of his grandfather's names. So it was sort of just making both sides of the family happy by putting the S in there. Classy move right there. Man, you know, how diplomatic. From the moment he was born, he was appeasing entire groups of people. If that's the case, your middle initial is the letter S, but he always signed it with a period behind it as if it stood for something else. (laughs) Just leave that intrigue in there. He was an expert in personal branding. (laughs) (laughs) He was really ahead of his time. His presidential tweets would have been so much better than Trump's. Too bad Vine is gone. I would have loved to see what Trump could do, could do with Vine. Vine star president. I never used Vine. It's still around. You can still see the old ones. I think you're letting down your race there, Chuck. No kidding. Yeah, man, that's the place to be. The major criticism of Twitter when they got rid of Vine was that this is an art form that's mostly used by communities of color. Okay. They're getting rid of it right at the time that Twitter is being criticized and possibly not invested in because they don't make the platform usable for minorities. Wow. I missed all that drama. It was terrible optics. Okay. Like, the the two decisions didn't have anything to do with each other, but there should have been somebody in that boardroom going, hey, these decisions are going to be interpreted as having to do with each other. Well, or, and also, like, just integrate the functionality of Vine into Twitter. Like, Twitter already does videos. Just have, like, when you're in videos, be like, oh, press the Vine button, and it makes a six-second loop. It just doesn't seem like it would be that hard, and yet they still haven't done it, and I guess they don't plan to do it. Who's got a good high note? Chuck, you had the high note last time. I did have the high note last time. I would love to pass it off. I mean... All right. Uh, I I have a high note, and it's a topic that we kind of touched on before, but... The Army Corps of Engineers has decided to deny the easement to the company behind the North Dakota Access Pipeline. Oh, heck yeah. Which means that the protests about the pipeline seem to have been successful. They want the company to reroute the pipeline so that it doesn't touch tribal lands and doesn't threaten 
uh, water resources. Uh, and there will be a new environmental impact statement, which is a very long process. So this may not actually ever get built. They were denied their, their easy access through tribal land, and now they have to go through the whole process again with different landowners. When I saw the news, I thought, that can't be right, because this is 2016. <laughs> and like n- nothing works out correctly in 2016. <laughs> Uh, but it turns out that this one is sticking so far. I mean, I guess we well we can see what happens <laughs> under the new administration, but for now, right. the protests seem to have won. I'm sure that he'll have resolved his conflicts of interest in like that he owns stock in the company that's building the pipeline directly or whatever. Oh, but that absolutely. time, that won't be an issue at all. So let me, let me sneak one in here, too. I have been playing a really cute game called Undertale, which is a, a game on PC... And it's kind of like an old school, like Final Fantasy, where you kind of like walk around a dungeon and solve simple puzzles, and then you get into battles with like random monsters. Mm-hmm. But in Final Fantasy, you just like use your sword or use fire magic to kill the monsters. And in this game, you can kind of do that. But the way that the game really wants you to play it is you can also go to like a talk menu and like talk to the monsters and be like, oh, monster, like, why are you attacking me? And, you know, like, help them deal with their emotional problems. And then be like, oh, thanks. Uh, And then you get some gold, and then they leave. And as I understand it, from what I've read and seen about Undertale, there's also this meta game going on where a decision that you make will echo through other playthroughs that you only get to make the right decision one time. Right. And after that, your save files will be modified to reflect that you made this choice right. the first time you played Absolutely, it. and one of the ways that this manifests early on, which has really hooked me into the game, is that you kind of go through a, a very long tutorial where this character, who is super nice, kind of walks you through it, mm-hmm. almost to a remedial, kind of like you're feeling like a preschool level. Mm-hmm. And you're like, <laughs> you know, please let me get on with the game. And the way that you get on with the game is you have to fight her. Because she's like, you can't leave. This is your safe space. You can't leave and play the rest of the game unless you fight me. But the game really encourages you not to kill. And so you're like, how do I get through this battle? Because you go in and you try to talk to her and they're like, yeah, she's not going to talk right now. And so what you have to do is like attack her a little bit and then go to like talk over and over again. Mm -hmm. And eventually she'll start giving you like, she's like, all right, you're really committed to this, I guess. Uh, but I messed it up a bunch of times because the way the game plays is like you hit her a couple times and then if you hit her one more, it'll always kill her. It, you're like, you're, it always does way too much damage so you don't expect it. And so I accidentally killed her like three times. And so I kept restarting <laughs> the game because I was like, oh, that you, the game doesn't want you to kill her. And then when I went back to her after doing that a couple times, she's like, I know what you're doing. You killed me and now you feel bad about it. So try to do oh. it right this time. And I was like, oh, okay. That's crazy. Right. Yeah, like this game this game knows exactly what you're doing. I'd be uh, like, reincarnation girl? Damn. Yeah, it was a really cool it was a really cool hook. Uh, and to know that the rest of the game, you know, kind of continues that. I'm I'm not that too far into it, but it's really cute. It's really got really hilarious puns and like, you know, kid humor and stuff. It, it's really earnest and heartfelt and uplifting. So is it kind of like an RPG then a little bit or a little bit? Yeah, but it's, it's the tropes of an RPG, but really it's not because you don't really like level up. 
because, well, I guess you could level up. I, I haven't played that way, but if you kill monsters, you actually could level up, I guess. Okay. But the game kind of discourages you from doing that. But like I said, you can do multiple playthroughs mm-hmm. and be like, this time I'm going to kill everything and just see how the story is like totally different uh, because you're just killing everything, even though the game's like, maybe that's, don't do that. Okay. Yeah, sort of a deconstructionist RPG where it's it's taking those tropes and it's playing around with them a lot. You can find me on Twitter. I'm Chuck Williams at Shaggy2Trope. T-O-O-T-R-O-P-E. And I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. And I'm Matthew Hodges. You can find me on Twitter at MattTheGweight with a W. And you have been listening to the Liquid Flannel Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and um, subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. One L. It's like one's the loneliest number you can ever do. That's right. <laughs>